In this episode of Dark Winter Nights, true stories from Alaska. The ladder truck falls over on its side, plunging the ladder into the river. So now things are getting worse because not only is he hurt, they broke the ice and the lady fell into the river. David Rockney witnesses how a ladder truck can make a bad situation much worse. And Jen Jenkins' friends think a ladder is going to literally eat her leg. Deb, hand me the axe, and as she's handing it to me, she says, Jen, there's got to be another way. <laughs> so because I hadn't explained my plans, she like, she's like, all right, it's field amputation. You know, there's got to be something. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ladder Dude, up next on Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, I'm Rob Prince. Did you know that, on average, 300 people die each year in the U.S. alone from ladder accidents? That's compared to the one-half of a person killed in the U.S. each year by sharks, which means it's statistically a lot safer to climb a shark than it is to climb a ladder. Bring that factoid up at dinner tonight. Our first story on the show today happened in the late fall of 1975 during the heyday of the pipeline construction in Fairbanks. David Rockney was working for the Fairbanks Fire Department when they got a call from a person in danger on the Chena River in Fairbanks. He told this story in front of 1,300 people at our first ever sold-out live event in Fairbanks, Alaska, last November 2023. Here's David. So the call came in initially as somebody who was attempting to commit suicide by jumping in the river. At least that's how it was called into the dispatch. So the people that generally deal with suicides, at least this type of thing, are the police. So they sent the police down to the river to look at this. And this, this thing occurred at the, um, just upstream from the Cushman Street Bridge where the log cabin is. At that time, it was a chamber of commerce cabin, and the park didn't exist. So there was a big parking lot there. So when the police arrived, this lady was upstream about 300 feet. She's sitting on the ice, and the ice was just like it is right now. If you drive by the river now, you can see that the river's open but the river ice is probably 20 or 30 feet into the water. So it's not exactly a river rescue, and it's not exactly an ice rescue. So when the police get there, they start talking to this lady to try to determine what's going on, and she basically tells them to leave her alone. So we're still operating on the assumption that she's trying to commit suicide, although nobody ever determined if that was really true or not. She clearly had a mental health issue, um, but she just wanted to be left alone. And to prove her point, though, when the cops tried to approach her, she scooted further out on the ice. So the cops decided to call the fire department, so they called it back to the station. Ed Pfeiffer was our battalion chief at the time, and he decided to send the ladder truck and a rescue boat, which our rescue boat was a 16-foot riverboat with a 35-horsepower motor on it. So he decided to send that down to the scene. I was on the ambulance that night, so I didn't get dispatched initially. And as I mentioned before, it was just like the night, so it was really cold, and it was really dark. So the ladder truck arrives in the boat, and they see the lady sitting out there on the, on the ice, and, and by now she's scooted out to the edge, where she's sitting on the edge of the ice, and she's kind of got her feet dangling in the water. So it looks like she's pretty serious about committing suicide, although she really hasn't jumped in the water. She's had plenty of opportunity to do that. So, And I don't really know for sure how much the police did to try to talk her back, but it was clear that this was a pretty, could be a pretty serious event pretty soon. Lieutenant Hearn, who was in charge of the truck company, um, decided that really wasn't practical to launch our boat because our boat generally launches at the rail landing and it's like iced in, snow and ice, so you can't really launch the boat. So he kind of parks the boat off to the side. And 
they decide that they're going to try to use the aerial ladder to perform a rescue. Now, I don't know if you know anything about aerial ladders, but there's a big truck with a big long ladder on it. Typically, this one here was a 100-foot ladder. Um, it's got the mount in the middle. That's where the controls are. The ladder lifts up the back. Uh, this truck was probably had to be built in the 60s because it was there when I came. I came to the city in 1972, and this event took about 75, so I'm pretty sure this truck was at least a 50, 60s model. Before you raise the ladder, you had to put down what's called ladder jacks, and these ladder jacks are just an arm that comes out, an arm that pivots down, and then there's a big plate on the bottom, and you screw it down to the ground until you can stabilize the, the truck. There's one on each side. Bob decides that he wants to, his plan is to extend the ladder out over the river and drop it down, and he's going to reach out and grab this lady. Charlie Barnett, who's the driver of this thing, said, no, no, Bob, we can't do that. This truck's not designed for that. I mean, aerial ladders are designed for rescuing people out of tall buildings. They're not designed to be going down. Bob insists. He's, he's, I mean, it's obvious to him that this lady is serious about committing suicide, although, once again, she hasn't really jumped in the water. And I've been on a lot of calls where people make attempts to commit suicide, but they're not really wanting to carry it out. They're just kind of asking for help. So we don't know for sure if she's asking for help or if she's serious, but it certainly looks serious, and so he decides he's going to do this. Charlie doesn't want to do it, but fire departments are kind of hierarchical, so if the captain says you're going to do it, he decides to go around with it. Charlie extends the ladder out. The lady's still sitting on the edge, and Bob climbs out to the end of the ladder. They drop it down, but they can't drop it far enough Keep in mind that the riverbank is about 15 feet high where they're sitting, and they're sitting back from the riverbank a little bit to have the ladder in. So it's obvious this is not going to work. So Bob turns around and starts to come back, and by doing that, the, the ladder starts to give a little bit, and the jack on that side slips out. The ladder truck falls over on its side, plunging the ladder into the river, trapping Bob Hearn on the ladder, actually broke his ankle, Stuck, so he's stuck there. So now things are getting worse because not only is he hurt, they broke the ice and the lady fell into the river. So now she's hanging onto the edge of the ice. So in the meantime, Brant Hoover calls back to the station and says, Hey, we need more help. So they dispatch me and the ambulance and the, and the engine crew, and we're coming down Christmas Street, and this, this ladder truck. The vintage that is, they don't have light bars on them. They have a bubble on the top. And so the light goes round and round like this when you're going down the road. So, and we don't know what's going on. We don't know that the ladder truck is falling in the river. So we're coming down Cushman Street, and I can see this light going down the street, up across the building, <laughs> and back down again. And I'm going, what in the heck is going on? You know, it's like, this doesn't make any sense at all. So we come around the corner on First Avenue, and we can see the undercarriage of the truck. We're going, holy cow, this is not good. So we pull up into the parking lot, and this lady's clinging on the ice, and, and ice is floating free, but the water's not going by very fast, and that's partially how she survives this incident. So we're going, now what do we do? Well, the boat's sitting there, and although we can't take it to the landing and launch it, we decide what we're going to do is we're going to manually launch this boat. So we take it off undo it from the trailer, take the motor off. We manhandle it down a riverbank, which was kind of tough to do, even though it was downhill, because it's covered in big boulders and, and uh, concrete to, to uh, keep the water from eroding. So we finally get it down to the bottom, and I put on a life jacket. Charlie Barnett 
puts on a life jacket and a police officer. The three of us get in this boat. We push it out on the ice. We hop in it, but we're sitting on ice. and It's not going anywhere, so we're kind of bouncing up and down, <laughs> trying to break the ice. And, and we have got a huge crowd watching this. This, <laughs> this is during the pipeline. There are thousands of people out. So the, the bridge is covered with people. I don't really see this. I, I, you know, I'm so concentrating on what I'm doing that I don't even notice that there's anybody around, but there is, so I can't imagine what they're thinking. So we get out of the boat, push it a little farther out, and finally we can get the boat to kind of float. So I got a paddle, and the police officer has a paddle, but the problem is somehow when we launched this boat, my paddle got broken in half. <laughs> so we finally get in the water, the lady's drifting down towards the bridge. She's almost to the bridge by now. So we start frantically paddling down to get to her, only because I've only got half a paddle. The police officer's overpowering me, so the boat's going like this. <laughs> so we're kind of trying to get down here. I'm trying to keep up. I'm paddling like crazy. And he's doing whatever, normal paddling. Charlie's in the front. He brought a pike pole with him, which is just a long pole with a hook on the end, thinking maybe he could reach her. So, but just before we get to her, she goes totally underwater disappears. Charlie laying on the front of his boat as far out as he can. The police officer kind of jumps on his legs to hold him and he reaches down and somehow miraculously grabs this lady's hair and pulls her up out of the water. She's coughing and sputtering so he tries to bring her in the boat and I decide I'm going to go help so I run to the front of the boat and the boat tips way up like this <laughs> practically swamps it. Fortunately I'm smart enough to run back to the other end of the boat get her to come back down again. So Charlie and the cop haul this lady back in, and we float over to the shore and get her out of the boat, get her up into the ambulance. I get out of the boat and take off my life jacket and go up and do my medic stuff, because I came with the ambulance. Um, she's mildly hypothermic. She's not seriously hypothermic. We treat her for hypothermia and take her to the hospital, and she does fine. So after the call, though, you know, we're thinking about all this stuff and what happened and trying to figure out what we learned from this thing. And first thing we learned, of course, is that Bob shouldn't have put the ladder down. He knew that. Um, <laughs> his injury wasn't as serious as his embarrassment was. <laughs> but uh, the next thing, we, or the other thing we learned from this, and it really turned out to be a very, very valuable lesson, was the fact that we needed a quicker response to be able to launch rescues on the river in the future. So what we did was we um, got a rubber raft, a messler raft, pontoon-type raft, and it was mounted, we mounted it to the ceiling of the, of the uh, fire station with some quick-release straps, and we put a, a bar, uh, like a pipe rack, on top of our rescue truck. And so in the future, if any of these events would happen again, it was just a matter of pulling a couple of quick-release straps, the boat would drop down. And as it turns out, this was a, this was a excellent idea because it wasn't but a couple years later that we had another rescue in which we actually saved the drowning victim because of the fact that we could launch this boat anywhere at any time. So, <clears throat> one, one thing I forgot to add here is when we pulled the lady out of the river into the boat, a huge cheer went across the crowd. <laughs> That's when I first noticed that there was actually a crowd up there. So. So I had only been in the fire department about three years when this happened, so I was a newbie. I spent another 35, almost 40 years in the fire service. I went on thousands of more calls. I don't know if any of them were quite as exciting as this one or had as many things go wrong, but ultimately this one turned out very, very well. So thank you so much.
David Rockney. He shared that story at our November 2023 live event in Fairbanks. We'll be back in a moment with the story of the time a ladder tried to eat Jen Jenkins' leg. This is Dark Quinter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, The Ladder Dude episode. I'm Rob Prince. Would you like to see Dark Quinter Nights live and in person? Well, you don't have long to wait. We've got an event coming up next Saturday, February 24th, 2024, at 7 p.m. in Lathrop High School's Herring Auditorium. We're thrilled to announce that our storytellers for this show will include Randy Carnahan, Art and Cindy Warbelow, David Dershin, Pat Levy, and Bruce Miller. Tickets are available now at darkwinternights.com. Welcome back to Dark Winter Nights True Stories from Alaska, the Ladder Dude episode. Our next ladder attack happened in the winter of 2010. Jen Jenkins shared this story at our March 2023 live event in Fairbanks. I am renting a wonderful place um, off of Sunway, which is a road off of Farmer's Loop. And the place is, it's all the way at the end of the road. It's a beautiful lot, wooded lot. Um, and there's a great house. Um, it's a one, such a wonderful place. It's a two-story house, metal roof. Um, the roof is such, ha, is such a steep angle that you don't have to worry about snow building up. So it's really great. It's January. And um, I come home from work and I you know, dash upstairs and I use the bathroom. and. And I get the dreaded slow flush, right? So you're like, oh, what's going on? And so at some point in time, I had picked up the knowledge that for a toilet and other drains to vent properly, you have, you have to have air enter and leave the system. In Fairbanks winters, you can get sort of this cap of frost, which slowly kind of chokes off that airflow. And so when that happens, no problem. Just go up, clean out the, clean out the frost, and you're good to go. So I'm convinced that I, I, I know the problem, and I definitely have the solution. So, you know, it's dark, and I dig out a headlamp, and off I go behind the back of the house. And I, and I remember seeing an extension ladder sort of up against the house. And so I dig around in the snowdrift and excavate this ladder, and um, I, I get the ladder put up. And, um, and I don't like ladders. I really don't. And so I'm like, ah. So I decide, okay, well, this house has a back porch with, with um, it's a screened-in back porch, and the screens you can kind of, they're on door, like they're slide. And so I was like, oh, I can, you know, I'll attach the ladder to the house. And so I grab my one and only ratchet strap, and I attach the ladder to the house, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I, I got this. And so I slowly kind of work my way up, and I, and I get to the, I get to the point where I'm sort of transitioning onto the roof, and I... Um, and it's like, well, this is different. So the way that it was, you know, because of the angle of the roof, the, the ladder is flush with it, and, and you can't really put your feet in so much. Kind of to get a good surface area, <laughs> you kind of have to turn your feet to the side. And I was like, okay, you know, no problem. So I kind of crawl up there, and um, I and get the frost plug removed, and I go down, you know, down the ladder back into the house, flush, just like magic. Everything's fine. So I'm like, I got this, no problem. And so I, you know, I fast forward um, to February, and I'm getting ready for a cabin trip. I really enjoy cabin trips, and so I'm getting, you know, stuff ready throughout the week. And um, I come home on a Friday, and it's dark. It's a beautiful, beautiful February day, sort of those crisp, cold days. And I'm, you know, doing some stuff around the house, last-minute packing, and I dash upstairs to use the, use the bathroom, and again, I flush, and oh, the slow flush, okay. Well, no problem, because I already got, I left the ladder up because that was the hard part, right? So I, I, I grab my fuzzy gloves and I, I decide that, yeah, you know, this uh, Alaskan amber sweatshirt will be fine. 
Um, so I you know, grab my hiking boots and I, I grab a headlamp, right, because I do want to see what I'm doing. And at the last minute, I grab my cell phone, which is, which is really odd, but you know, I, was, like, I wasn't sure if I was going to be still running errands. And I had a friend that was coming over. Um, she would be joining me on the cabin trip, and I didn't want to miss a call from her if I was out you know, doing something in the garage. And so I, you know, shoved the cell phone in my pocket and trot out behind the house and get to the ladder. And I, and I take, and I, and I have a moment where I pause and go, ah, you know, I did, I'm looking at the ladder without the ratchet strap because my one and only ratchet strap had been moved to the snow machine trailer to secure the snow machine so I might actually make it to my destination with the snow machines. And so I'm like, mm, well, you know, I kind of, I, I take a moment and I kind of, everything feels solid and feels good. It's like, okay, well, no problem. This will be quick. So I can do this. I've done it before. So I slowly work my way up the ladder, and I get right to that point where I'm starting to transition to the roof. And I feel, I feel myself falling, and it was incredibly clear. I, it was like, I am falling. <laughs> and I, and I, I drop about 12 inches, and I, and I have this I'm, overwhelming relief, followed by discomfort and extreme confusion. So I'm like, well, okay, so... I'm trying, like, what is going on with my leg? And so I look down in the, in the light, the glorious light of the headlamp. What I see is I see that the extension ladder, the two sections of the extension ladder have separated, and my lower leg is wedged firmly between two of the rungs. And so I'm like, well, um, and I remember, again, very clear thought, this is bad. <laughs> um, and, and luckily, I didn't, I didn't overthink, just, I, this is bad, that's all I needed to know, okay, so, like, okay, I, this, this, this has to be resolved, um, and quick, and so I'm, so, the first thought that comes into my mind is I'm like, oh, I could just push the ladder off the side, and, I, and then I decide that, no, okay, that's, but best case scenario is broken leg, which, which isn't great, because I got a cabin trip plan, and I'm not even sure that I can, but I'm, but I'm, actually going through this thought process of like, well, maybe I can, okay, so I then come to, to solution two, which is like, well, I could call 911, and I was like, well, but, and I knew this for a fact, because previous experience had taught me that I will be embarrassed when the fire department arrives at my home, I will be embarrassed when people are coming out in their full turnout gear with axes, and, you know, uh, and I, okay, so I'm, I'm not there yet, like, this is bad, but I don't, but we're not, we're not, uh, you know, in my mind, like pushing the ladder off and 911 are, are sort of equal, which I know sounds odd, but <laughs> there's, there's no clear winner. There's no clear winner. And so, um, so I reach into my pocket, like, and I, and I pull out my phone, like it's a precious, like a kitten, you know, and I was like, don't, do not drop phone. Do not drop. I, apparently I'm only thinking in like three, you know, three sentences. I, I this is bad. <laughs> do not drop phone. Um, and so um, um, the, my friend, Mercedes, who's going to be going on this cabin trip, she's in town running some errands. And so I decide, well, I'll, I'll call her and see how far out she is. You know, if she's like 10 or 20 minutes away, no problem. I, you know, I guess apparently I'm just going to hang out here. Um, <laughs> so I, 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 I dial and, um, and, and <laughs> I, if I left a message, it was unhelpful. It would have been like... Um, it would have been like, hey, uh, this is Jen, can you call me back? Um, 
but so I, but I don't remember actually. So I, you know, okay, next, okay. Um, and so I, I remembered that I was you know, searching through. Okay, who is who's in town that I know? And I remember my really good friend Philip was at a, a, a meeting, sort of uh, off, you know, near Creamer's Field. And I was like, ah, I'll call Philip. And so I, I call, I dial Philip, and he, an- he answers the phone. I said, Hi, Philip. I've got a favor to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm stuck in a ladder. Can you come help me? And which was stuck in a ladder was accurate, but not not really descriptive unless you were there. Um, clearly, I misspoke. So he repeats it to me. He says, you're stuck in a ladder? To which I reply, I'm not kidding. Um, and so then he goes, oh, I'm on my way. And so it turns out <laughs> that if you, if, if you are on the receiving end of a call and someone says, I'm stuck in a ladder, you'll, your eyebrows will turn into question marks. And if there are others around, they'll ask you what is wrong. And if you tell them, you know, that sets some other things in motion. And, um, so, okay, Philip's on his way, so I'm like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm just going to, don't panic, don't panic. And I have to be super careful, because every, every time I wait shifts, this, the, the trap that my leg is in gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And so I'm like, all right, just, you know, <laughs> hanging out. And uh, um, I, see, I see lights come down the driveway and, you know, lights up the trees behind, you know, comes in. And I, I hear a door close, and I hear my name, Jen, and it's a name I recognize, but it is not Philip, and it is not my friend Mercedes. Mercedes. so I have a third friend who felt my despair, or somehow, <laughs> who, she arrives, and my friend Deb arrives, and she comes, you know, sprinting back behind the house, and she's like, you know, I was like, I, I, you know, again, the confusion continues, I'm like, how did you know that I was in this... And so she clarified, yeah, Philip, you know, told Kelly, Kelly called me. I was like, okay, well, I got, all right. So, um, and shortly after, Philip arrives. And so, um, and I noticed that they're all really bundled up, you know, with like hats and gloves and act, like actual boots and, you know, like puffy coats. And I was like, huh, I'm, it's probably a lot colder out here than I thought it was. Um, but that, we can't worry about that now. Um, and so I, <laughs> they're, they're, both, they're both here at the, and I'm about 10 feet up, right? I'm just at the edge of where this, you know, the roof transitions. And, and it's dark and they have their headlamps and they're trying, to, they're trying to see what is going on with this. And it doesn't look... It looks like I've just gone insane and I'm just like refusing to get off the ladder because if you, do, you, you had to look really closely, really, cl- really close to notice that the rungs were just ever so slightly off. Um, but, you know, I've got my headlamp. I'm blinding them. They're trying to survey the situation. I, all, they are, all, all they're just getting is like white, that bright light. I, I'm not even giving them a chance to find a solution to this. And so I start making demands. Like I said... <laughs> Okay, we ha- we have to stabilize this. We have to we have to stabilize the, the ladder. And, and Deb says, "Oh no, I think I can just you know I think I can just push your foot out from the bottom." So she she starts climbing the ladder, and I very explicitly say, "You need to not you, you got to get off the ladder because it's like your weight and my weight is combined. Is this is this is not working? Right? We got to stabilize the ladder, which meant something to me. But if you just hear these things, you just go, "I don't know what you want." Um, so I, so I demand three things. I said, okay, I need, we need a ratchet strap, a toe strap, and an axe. And so, and now to be fair, no one asked questions, but I hadn't divulged my plan to anyone, but they're just like, all right, well, she wants these three things. Okay, so, so Deb, Deb makes a break to get the axe, because I've told her to, and then, and then Philip, take, he takes off uh, to the, to the garage where, where the ratchet strap and the toe strap are, we, re, they, we, we reconvene at the, at the ladder. And, um, and I'm trying to say, okay, so we got to stabilize the ladder. And again, I, 
they, they sort of, they can't, they really can't tell what's going on. And so I'm like, okay, just stabilize it. And so, of course, like the ratchet strap was at the full extent. And so, like a ladder is, you know. And so Philip is like, for what some seemed like forever, was like, click, 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 click. Come on, bud. It's getting cold. Um, and so, and then I was like, all right, you know, whoo, stabilized. Um, and then I, I said, okay, Deb, hand me the axe. And as she's handing it to me, she says, Jen, there's got to be another way. <laughs> so because I hadn't explained my plan, she like, she's like, all right, it's field amputation. You know, there's got to be, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, no, 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 I got it. And so I, 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 I take, the, I take the, the axe handle and I wedge it between the two, you know, the two sections that are got me pinned. And then I'm like, okay, Philip, throw me the, the toe strap. And he throws me the toe strap and I kind of do this, you know, I kind of loosely tie it around the axe, you know, so it doesn't slide off. And then it's like, okay, pull. And he reefs on this thing and with like all of his might and it, and it, and it spreads these, the, la- the, the two halves of the ladder just enough that I can, so- I can sort of get my foot out, but my shoe, you know, my, my shoe is catching it. So it's like, okay, so, so now that we have the ladder stabilized, it's okay for Deb to crawl up. And so she, come, she crawls up and <laughs> she takes off my shoe. And so I kind of stumble down the ladder and have like several kind of really bizarre steps. You know, where I'm like, and I get in the house and I'm like, huh, whew, you know, and I, you know, they're like, are you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. And so I, I, like, I look at my leg, which is all colors of the rainbow. Um, and so they're concerned, but I'm not. That's, like, that's just like a weekend for me. Um, so I convince them, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And so we've had this, like, um, I think a very rare experience um, being stuck in a ladder. I, this is not, you know, that's not something that people share too often. Um, I'm certainly going to be okay if I don't get to relive that. Um, so, and, uh, so we just have like this, this awkward goodbye. Cause I like, I don't know what the etiquette for this is. Like, there's not a card, like, thank you for saving me out of the ladder. Um, and, and so we have this kind of, there, I convince them that I'm okay. They are, they probably believe me. They are also probably just trying to relive this whole thing going like, well, I saw this, but I don't know that it was real. And so we have this awkward goodbye. And, um, so in the light of day, um, that morning, so I was like, well, uh, revealed several things. Um, one is that, like, this, the ladder was, <laughs> this extension ladder, um, was more of a memory of an extension ladder. And so, I've, I, it, from all outward appearances, it looked like an extension ladder, and it had all, many, many, but not all the components of an extension ladder. What it was missing is one of the brackets that holds the two sides together. So, so... Yeah, so I didn't think to look for that. My mistake, mistake number one. And so, you know, I was like, oh, okay. So then I, I, de- I decided, I was like, all right, this thing must be destroyed because, like, someone could really get hurt. And I don't know what really get hurt is, apparently, because I'm like, well, I was, mo- I guess I was, I was sort of, in- I was mostly inconvenienced. Um, so this, this defending ladder was later destroyed in, in, a, in a gathering known as the ladder smash. So... All right, I, don't, I didn't want to take it to the transfer station hole because, like, it, it, it was really going to hurt. Like, this thing is capable of deception and malice. It's got to go away. <laughs> um, like, away. And so, um, you know, so I, <laughs> I, look back, I look back on that, and, and, I, and you know, um, what I try to remind myself now is just because I can do it, maybe I shouldn't. Um, that, right? There's a balance there. And, and more importantly, if I come, if I immediately conclude like, oh, this will be quick. Mm -mm, No, it will not be quick. So (laughs) thank you.
Jen Jenkins. She shared that story at our March 2023 live event in Fairbanks. Thanks for listening to Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, the Ladder Dude episode. Today's show was edited by myself, Rob Prince. Story consultation by Lori Neufeld. Would you like to see Dark Winter Nights live and in person? Well, then I have got some dandy news for you. We've got an event coming right up next Saturday, February 24th, 2024 at 7 p.m. in Lathrop High School's Herring Auditorium. We've got an incredible group of amazing true stories from Alaska from Randy Carnahan, Art and Cindy Werbelow, Dave Dershin, Pat Levy, and Bruce Miller. Tickets are available now at darkwinternights.com. Remember, these are the stories we tell up here in Alaska on Dark Winter Nights. I'm Rob Prince. <laughs>